You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 48, the Matt Grizzlick episode. I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Rhinus of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Just got my eyes dilated so I can barely see. Uh, can't even see the screen in front of me, but it doesn't matter. We're, we're pushing through. We all, all I need to be able to do is talk and kind of see when your lips stop talking on mm-hmm. Zoom. And then I can, then I'm able to, you know, do my thing. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. I, I've never driven home after having my eyes dilated before. And, uh, I was like, I, I said to the, the people there, I was like, you know, I'm driving home. They're like, Oh, everybody does. Everybody drives home after they have their eyes dilated. And I'm like, really? So, like I can barely see. So you were the guy whipping down like route nine, just. Oh yeah. Side swiping everyone. Oh yeah. My car. It's like, did you see that guy in, uh, in Boston on the, the dirt bike or whatever it was? Yes. He was <laughs> on Boylston. Yeah. On Boylston. He just mocked the car next to him. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that could have been, uh, like that was me going down, uh, the mass pike, you know, just, and, and in Hondas, you, I know you have a Honda too. Uh, the, the wheel starts to jiggle a little bit when you're going out of the lane. So I just yep. kept hearing, having the, I'm like, geez, but no, it actually wasn't that bad. I, I was made fine. I was safe. I made it back in one piece. I didn't hit anybody. We're good. We're doing well. Um, then you could tell, but regardless. yeah, I couldn't see. I mean, maybe I, maybe, maybe I did and I just couldn't see him. Um, anyways, uh, one thing I do want to address before we get into it is I obviously announced the news about me going to Turner sports, uh, for NCAA.com. I just announced it on Wednesday. Uh, that does not mean I'm not going to be doing Bruins podcasts. I will still be doing the podcasts. I will still be tweeting about the Bruins. I just won't be covering them as in depth as maybe I was before. And I won't be there every day or doing stuff. I just, but I, I will still be involved in the Bruins world. I will not be leaving for good. This is not, this is not forever. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll still be around pretty much. So don't, uh, don't be like, Bruins, Oh, damn. Evan's, Bruins fans gone. can have a, a sigh of relief now knowing that you're still, still in the fold, but oh, a, yes. well, a, a well-deserved uh, gig for you, Evan. You do. Well, thank job. you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Connor. Wouldn't be here without you and uh, and and the and the listeners as well. You guys have helped me out, but Connor, especially you have as well. Um, and I've told you that countless times. Um, okay, so Bruin stuff. Uh, Sweeney and Neely went on Tuesday. That is it for eggs interviews. Eggs interviews are done. We will not talk to the players or the team or the management or coaching staff for a long time now. Um, but 
one thing that was a, a, a main takeaway of Tuesday was a retool is likely to be what happens. Doesn't, this doesn't seem like it's going to be a rebuild. Uh, the one thing, though, that was interesting was the thing Neely said about, well, if we can't get Hall and Krejci back and we can't re-sign those guys, then we're going to have to think about other stuff. But the main thing was Marshan and Bergeron want to run this back. Retool is likely. Connor, your thoughts? Yeah, not really uh, surprising when you look at um, kind of just the the unenviable spot they're in. Granted, it's mostly the Bruins' own doing as to why they're in this spot, right? Where it's you know lack of drafting and what have you, which I think we're going to touch on a little bit later. But um, yeah, it, it was interesting. Neely at one point said, you know, they have to take like a I forget what his exact quote was, but like a, a closer look at the roster and kind of see where they're at. Which I think for some people is like, all right, well, are they? thinking of blowing it all up but also i think i think last season too after they lost to tampa bay nearly said like close to the exact same thing it was like i think he said like quote like taking a hard look at the roster which you're like yes. oh, is, that, is that it and then what do they do they signed craig smith and like tried to go all in for like taylor hall and all these guys at the deadline so i imagine as long as i think i think from their perspective as long as bergeron and Moshand and those guys are there i think they're going to Again, I think we touched on this last week, but they're going to keep on rolling with it until the the tires, you know, the tread wears off the tires. Like I, I think that's the only option because they're not equipped at all right now to even, you know, get a rebuild off the ground with like no set young foundation to kind of turn turn the keys over to. Right? It's not like yeah, you're just going to hand. Uh, Stadnika, like the two C next year, like maybe he just rolls with it, but like it's not the ideal situation you've got, right? So, um, so what they said, you know, in terms of like the major the points of it, where it's um a, a retooling over a rebuild, not really surprising because I think that's kind of the only real option they have at this point, right? Like you've at least got a foundation. We you've got uh, a group of players that. Uh, are signed to affordable contracts. If you re-up and let's say you get Krejci back and, and maybe Rask, who knows what happens there, but, um, and even Taylor Hall, if you get those guys like below their market value, then you've got cap space to use. And ideally it's the biggest thing after that is using it correctly, right? Uh, allocating those resources to the right areas of the roster that needs it. But um, from the Bruins perspective, yeah, if let's say this is two years down the road and, you know, Bergeron's 38 and stuff like that, then you have to take the hard look and be like, all right, well, you know, the chickens have come home to roost in terms of what we have to deal with. But at this point where you still have Bergeron playing at a high level, uh, even at his age, you still have these pieces in place. The only option I think they really have is to retool and address kind of those those areas of the roster that need to be fixed. Yeah, the other thing about uh, Krejci coming back is we were kind of wondering if the reason Krejci was so odd in his exit interview was that they had told him he wasn't coming back from the sounds of it. It sounds like the ball's in his court. It isn't really like, I think they want him back. I mean, just given off these comments yesterday from Sweeney, um, you know, I do believe David does want to continue to play. He's made it pretty clear that if, you know, if he'd like to continue his career, this is the place that you want to do it. it. sounds like it's, it's in Krejci's court with that stuff. Uh, Hall definitely wants to come back. Um, and I think retooling is also the right move because what else do you do? There's, do you want to rebuild? Like, you don't have the, the 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 prospect pool to do it with, and uh, you know that's a it's a boring thing to rebuild, especially with fans coming back. Fans start to come back in the building. It's like, oh, have fun watching this crap bag team that's going to be with the Devils and the Senators every year uh, at the bottom of the league. So, yeah, I think retooling is the only thing uh, the Bruins could really do here. And again, the free agent market's not that great. So, again, like. 
some of the best free agents you have. Like Hall, Krejci, Rask, that's about as good as you're going to get in free agency, and you have them all. Um, and again, if unless you can shake things up in a trade, which we'll get to later with one particular uh, position, uh, there's no real reason not to retool. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, this core can't win it. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? Like, what is the other option that do you want to, again, do you want to watch a rebuild? Is that really what you want to watch? Um, especially with Bergeron and Martian still playing good hockey. I like Bergeron, obviously a little uh, much older, but still playing well. Like, again, you still have enough there uh, to do it. A pretty safe bet that the Bruins are going to retool for next year. Another safe bet though, is our good friends over at bet online. Absolutely. Evan, listen up guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. Red Sox are playing for had a big hit yesterday. Uh, Celtics, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bruins, uh, 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 but listen, guys, Red Sox are back. You, even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the plays at play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. We even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, no one beats that. First source, nobody beats that. That source being the world. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Experts, the online sportsbook experts. So uh, one topic that was brought up to start Cam Neely's uh, call on Tuesday was one that many Bruins fans, they, they enjoy so much. They enjoy hearing about it. They enjoy the, the, the talk of it, the, 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 the reminiscing, the nostalgia that it brings. I go trade rumors. Eichel trade rumors that which are, by the way, actually like coming to fruition. There's like, didn't Pierre Lebrun say that Eichel yes. could be traded before the playoffs end? Like, yes, this, it sounds like it's going to happen. Soon. We, have, we, have, we have to get started, Evan. It's we coming quicker get, than we expected. We, we, we have to get going on this because, um, you know, the Bruins are going to be one of the teams that are r- rumored to be very in on him. Um, anyways, I was talking about the 2015 draft. Oh, yeah. You know, classic, classic times, the 2015 draft. Uh, so Cam Neely said, I've looked back at that a lot. Obviously, the timing of when we hired Don and when the draft took place, I think it would have been good to have a little more time between the hiring and the draft. He also went on to mention how uh, they expected to group those picks and trade up, presumably to get Noah Hannafin, who they're also rumored to trade for every single offseason. Uh, and I imagine this offseason will be no different, uh, given comments that Neely made later in his press conference. But uh, obviously, a lot of p- fans pissed off. That number one, you had Sweeney in house during all this. So this was not like your, you know, Sweeney was in on these draft meetings. This wasn't like, you know, he came from outside the organization. He was there the entire time. He was the assistant GM. And number two, how do you, how do you, I mean, you still know those guys in the middle of the first round. Why were you so thrown off that you couldn't trade up? Uh, when was Hannafin picked? Was he number five? Uh, number five. Five or number four, I want to say. Uh, give me one I think, second. I think he was four. I think he was four. You're right. I think it was he four. He was five. Nope. You were, fi- oh, you were right. So I was right. I was, I was right. Strom. I, was, I, was, I, was, I got to stronger. <laughs> Strom, 
Mana, and then Hannafin at number five. Damn. So yes, that again, pick number five. Again, you have uh five, thirteen, eight. You have eight picks. Took me a second there with the math. They don't teach I didn't learn math at UMass. Um, but they they had again, they had eight picks to figure out who they wanted to take. And I think they still did, but Neely kind of explained how they were a little thrown off. And it's like, well, again, you should know who you're gonna pick. Um, so again, just adding salt to the 2015 draft wound. And again, I mean, we said it like it at this point, that's an, I mean, that's a huge kind of dark mark on the Sweeney administration. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I mean, I can't tell which part of it is worse. The fact that like, she said he didn't have time to like prep for it, which like, again, even if he's new at the GM job, he's, as you said, he was in the system. And they have multiple guys they turn to, whether that's, you know, director of scouting or other resources that you think they'd have the book out. And again, it's not like I'm focusing in on just like Barzal, which like Barzal could have had a a dog shit interview with them. And they're like, this is, you know, in the immediate aftermath of like Sagan and, you know, Dougie Hamilton, which that was going to come to an end of like, all right, like we don't want to deal with a guy if they have a bad interview or what have you. Like there's some, some of it's, you know, the team's like a certain, feeling you haven't even got about some of these guys, but I mean, we've talked about it. It's not like the people talk about Barzal and, and Connor and uh, Shabbat and those guys, you didn't have to even hit on like all three of those guys, you know, at this point, probably like one of those guys wouldn't even be on the team because of cap problems. But anyway, like you had to hit on at least one more of, I mean, take your pick, Konechny, uh Besser, Bovillier. But like Beauvillier, like obviously we'll talk about like Aho in the second round, which like everyone missed out on. But like even one of those guys in in the middle there that like Joel Erickson Eck, who's like I was gonna say, of, even Erickson Eck, I'm looking at it right now, even Erickson Eck, you could have Yeah. Uh as like a guy down the middle that they would have. Like that's a, a guy you would pencil in down the middle, uh as you know, not not as dynamic as a Barzal, but still a really, really good player. So I, I you know, obviously the I don't know if you want to even call it like the excuse, but of Sweeney, like just jumping to the job is tough, but also the, the, the plan of like, all right, we're going to trade up for Hannafin. All right. We're not going to do it. What do we do now? It's like, you have to go into it with at least a pretty good understanding. Like if you've played NHL on your Xbox that you have a crazy trade, it usually ends end up like not working out. Right. Usually, especially if you turn off those filters, unless you turn off the filters, usually the first trades you make are usually like the computer being like, nah, nah, we're not doing no, that. Can't do that. So to have that, you know, kind of crumble and then either it's like panic moves or like, you know, I think Neely said that they thought a guy in the second round wasn't going to be there, which I assume was Seneshin, which like you reach there when there's multiple players who, Again, it, as we said, you just needed one more guy. One more guy could have been the difference in 2019, could have been the difference in the next two years. Like, you just needed a guy who's going to get you another 15 to 20 goals, right? <laughs> like, that's that's what you kind of needed with this core. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a tough hit, and it's something that I think, obviously, a lot of people don't like talking about because it probably has been exhausted. But, unfortunately, when it's a, a draft as monumental as this, this is going to be lingering over them for however long, whatever this rebuild is, unless they, you know, with the 20th pick this year, they find the next franchise guy. Like this is going to hover over you of oh, ultimate, what could have been in terms of like, uh, you know, this is like fumbling. It's like Darko Milicic in the Oh uh, three NBA draft of like one that, you know, where, where could this team have gone? Had they, you know, 
picked one of the many available guys in what could be like an all-time draft. Yeah, even I mean, you said it like you didn't even have to have a superstar. You didn't even need to go uh, Barzal, Shabbat, Kyle Connor, or like you know Barzal Aho, who was not a projected first back then. Like you didn't even have to have the best case scenario. You literally just needed another depth forward, a connect me, a Besser who Besser would have been a lot higher. Great, yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's incredible to me. And and even it's funny, I'm looking at the draft uh, board right now. And you know who had two of the very successful late round picks? Uh, the Lightning. They had Anthony Sorelli in the third round, and then they had Matthew Joseph in the fourth round. And again, is Matthew Joseph incredible? No, but he's a pretty solid. He was a pretty solid depth piece. And Anthony Sorelli is one of their top guys. So, and, and again, Eric, like, and they got Eric Chernak in the second round too. He's pretty yep. good defenseman. Yep. So again, like, you know, a team like the Lightning, you know, you draw that. You typically with drafts, you can draw five years later to see where that team is. It's no surprise the Bruins are having trouble getting over the hump because they blew this draft. They blew it. And and they admit it. I mean, again, like uh, Neil even said, you know, we, I think about that a lot, obviously. Well, I mean, yeah, you do when you can't find depth scoring after the first line every single year. That's like, hmm, uh, Konechny would have helped out with that. Or Kyle Connor, or obviously Matt Barzal, or you go down the list. And I mean, that's why I think, you know, it is a thing why – they continue to try to push Saboral out there. I mean, you, you, Sweeney even mentioned it yesterday about Saboral's development. Like, oh, he st- can still develop. And it's like, it's it's been this long. And we saw what we saw this year. And again, like, can players get better? Yes. But uh, do, does anybody want to sit here for so long and see what that hat, what he has? Like, no. So that's why, I, and that's why, I mean, this whole thing, that, that draft. And what's funny is that first round was stacked. I mean, just even past McDavid and Eichel. Marner, Hannafin, Provorov, Wierenski, Rantanen, uh, Zboril, no. uh, Barzal. I mean, you can just go down the list of good players in that draft. I mean, even like it's funny, Dylan Strom uh, was the third overall pick. And you think back and like the Coyotes botched that. Like maybe case in a stack draft like that, you got the you got a guy who was meh, okay. You know, nothing, nothing wild when he could have got Mitch Marner. Or, uh, and then if Marner was down there, maybe you could get... Uh, Matthews down there too. reunite them in the desert, you know, hometown. But, so speaking of, so there's one player in the 2015 draft who the Bruins could have used quite a bit. His name's Thomas Shabbat, left shot defenseman with the Ottawa Senators. And yesterday or Tuesday now, uh, Cam Neely mentioned how they are missing. They, they're looking for that elusive top four left shot defenseman, eats minutes, responsible in their own zone. Now Shabbat's not a defensive wizard but he is solid offensively and he's solid enough in his own zone. And with the Bruins, you'd expect he'd probably be fine in his own zone. I don't think it'd be a huge deal, but again, it comes down to the left shot top four minute eating defenseman. And there's not really anyone like that in the free agent market. There's not that big fish. I mean, again, there's Merrill, Alexiak, you know, those types of guys, but those are, those are not top pairing. Those are not even really top four. Those are guys you have in your fifth or sixth, uh, slot. What do they need to do to get that top four left shot defenseman? Yeah, I mean, I think you ideally look at this Bruins decor. I think you need at least two guys added to the mix. I think you need to get like a free agent signing. So like an Alexiak, who I think is would make plenty of sense. Yeah, he's due for a pay bump because he's been averaging, I think, 20 minutes a game with uh, Dallas. But uh, pretty solid puck mover, great guy in his own zone six seven which would excite a lot of Bruins fans right uh 
you know, he's a guy that makes a ton of sense. Martinez, I think, is going to get paid this uh, this offseason based on the postseason he's having, which you're kind of hesitant about that for a guy who's 33 years old. But um, I think they need to sign at least one of those guys. Like Even like uh, McCabe out in Buffalo, who's coming off an injury, but you look at his metrics, he could be a guy that like as a, a value third-pairing guy could end up being very, very good because he's a pretty physical guy when he played. He His highlights, usually a lot of them are him popping guys uh, on the ice. So, um so I think they do need to sign one of the, like a free agent guy to bolster, you know, whether that's the third pairing or maybe a second pairing. But I think you need a legit, as Neely said, like a top four guy that can anchor anchor those minutes is good in his own zone and is can generate offense. Easier said than done. That's a lot to ask for. You know, it's not like say. it's <laughs> yeah, ideal. It's like someone being like, well, we could really use like a top six center, like a good two way guy. Because it's at least, you know, 25, 30 goals, you know, that would be great, right? It's like, yeah, everyone would love that. Um, so I think for that, that could be something you have to achieve on the trade market, which, again, it's easier said than done. There's, uh, you know, they could kick the tires again on Ekholm, who, you know, we'll see what Nashville does with him. Uh, you could go back to the well with uh, with Oliver ekman Lassen, which I don't oh. think is a good idea. Like one, oh, again, no. you deal with that, that contract and also his game slipped again, which people are like, well, maybe in the new system. And, you know, now that it's not talking anymore, they, they'll do better or what have you. It's like, it's a lot of risk, man. If it was a guy who was signed for like a $4 million a year contract, then you hope for it. Cause he's had a good previous track record with that contract as is. No, not you. Not now. Not, no not interest the, in OEL. And no, I had no interest in OEL. We had no interest in OEL yeah. last year. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, Eckholm's Ek- the guy, though. Eckholm is the guy. Like, that's Eckholm is the guy you, you, I, that's the perfect fit. Like, that was why, like, during the deadline and stuff, that was the perfect fit. Big, strong, good in his own zone, good puck mover, you know, good in the O zone. Like, just a really solid, big two way defender, which is what they need. You need bigger defensemen. You need bigger guys. You, I mean, you've said it a thousand times. You look at these teams in the final four, they pretty much all have big, solid two-way defenders, which the Bruins, again, Grizzlick is, is great and, and, and Krug was awesome, but you needed some size and you still need some size. Mike Riley's fine, but you just need size. Also, the other uh, thing, not just the left side, the right side. The right side depth chart is Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo. We're going to assume Clifton's taken by Seattle. And, and then who is it? Nobody. You have two right shot defensemen. Two. Two. Because Camper, I would assume, will probably be gone as well. So you have two right shot defensemen. So now you got to think about that too. Now, again, obviously you can have a guy playing as off, offside. I don't think that it's not that huge a deal. But still, you'd like to have more right shot defenders. Is there anything they can do with that? Yeah, I mean, that could be whether it's like free agency with like a Savad, which is, again is a guy that's probably going to get a – a nice new contract, whether it's uh, signing another or another depth piece, whether it's a guy who could, you know, is comfortable moving over his right side, which I don't think you'd get a free agent. Like you'd, you'd pitch them on that. Like, Hey, you're going to play on the right side instead. I, I think they'd rather sign someone where it's more of a carved out spot for them. But yeah, it's, I think you have to go into this off season, at least two guys that you have to add. And one of them has to be by trade and it has to be someone that's legit. And they've even kind of, you know, put themselves in a tough spot because I think so much of the narrative now is like getting a big defenseman. And like, you know, let's say a guy like Vince Dunn was available, which seems like he is good player, uh, had the reputation of being kind of more of an offensive guy. But I think this past year, his defensive metrics were crazy good for, uh, 
a team uh, in St. Louis that also lost a lot of defensive, you know, uh, presence with a guy like Petrangelo. So like Dunn's an appealing guy, but also how are you going to pitch that? Like, I, I would probably be excited if they got done, but he's also six feet and has the kind of the, the reputation as more of a playmaking guy. And you'd have many fans not be thrilled about a move like that. Right. So it's, it's a tough kind of, not even balancing act. Cause we, we know what they need to do. They need to get bigger. They need to get like an Alexiak for sure. But it's not just, I think you signed one guy, uh, and slot them in and you're ready to roll with the same group. Like you need to really overhaul that decor because it's, even if you, you know, improve the bottom six and all that, you, you need to shore up that defense and have it ready for the playoffs. Cause that's the biggest concern. It's not just the talent level. It's can they make it through a, a grind of a postseason? Yeah. And it's also that first pass, like also that just breaking out of your own zone, which was a, a struggle uh, in this postseason because along with that grind. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, again, you got to get creative in the trade market. Cause again, if you come back next season with Grizzly McAvoy, Riley Carlo, you're, you're not better. Like that's the same thing. I mean, I know Grizzly will be year better and McAvoy and Carlo will hopefully be healthy and Riley will be under a new deal, but that's not a top four that you want going into the postseason. Now maybe they say, well, we'll do what we did last year and we'll strengthen at the deadline. They're, guys like Ekholm's prices are only going to be higher, right? you know? And that's the thing. And that's why the off season is important for these deals. You'd almost want to see like if, if Jake DeBrusque had the season he had in 2019, 20, it would be nice to see a, a, a trade, like De, a one for one DeBrusque for a left top four left shot defenseman. Right. Like then that would work. That would, that would work. But again, DeBrusque does not have that value anymore. So are you going to package him with something else? You can package him with a pick. Are you going to go for a fringe top four guy? I mean, you have enough of those. So that's why they got to get creative with the trade. And I think um, DeBrusque might be the guy for it, but you need to, again, you have to be prepared to part with a pick as well. Um, Cause again, we said this during the deadline, like if they'd done DeBrusque for Ekholm two years ago, you probably could have done one for one. Like that would have been yeah, no problem. Probably. But now because of his value being at an all time low, not much you can do there. So that is that, that is, uh, that is this episode of poke the bear episode 48 Connor before we head out. Uh, what can people look forward to over at Boston sports journal? Well, we're going to continue to break down, uh, you know, potential decisions with this roster that they have to be made in the coming weeks, uh, months, whether that's, you know, DeBrusque bottom six, uh, defense, we'll look at potential free agent targets. Uh, and we even have something today on, our favorite subject in Jack Eichel and the fact that Yay. I will cut, I will cut to the point. Uh, I don't think they're remotely have a shot at it unless something goes drastically wrong with, uh, how the, the Sabres handle this, which can't overlook because it's the Buffalo Sabres. Could happen, but could happen. So we'll have stuff on that over at BSJ. So subscribe over at Boston sports journal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. We should do a YouTube video with titled, uh, will the Bruins get Jack Eichel? And should just be like us saying second. no. Yes. Four second video, just no. <laughs> and just upload it. I mean, but it's, yeah, I, the Eichel stuff we can get into next week. Um, if he's still, if he's still available. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, unless you can, unless you can get him without giving up McAvoy or Pasternak, which I don't think is going to be a thing. Um, then I don't think there's a real shot at them. But you will break it all down. The people can look forward to you breaking it down and making logical sense of it all uh, today. But anyways, that is Poke the Bear episode 48. You Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 